You're listening to Theology and Apologetics with Thomas Fretwell. Welcome back to the podcast. We are continuing doing the questions from the Elevate Youth Conference. The next question is, uh, what if someone says the Bible is a myth or unreliable? What if someone says the Bible is a myth or unreliable? Um, This question comes in many forms, and I'm sure many of us have been on the receiving end of this question from someone. It's a very common claim. Um, The Bible is just a fairy tale. You can't believe all of these things in the Bible. It's unreliable. Historically, it's nonsense. It it comes in so many different forms. Uh, We we call it a parrot claim in in a lot of instances. And what I mean by this is that simply people read a meme or something on the Internet and they just parrot it. They say, oh, it's true because they have a, a kind of a bias towards it already, so they just accept it and, and parrot it. And, and a lot of them are like this. You actually challenge someone on it, on how they came to that conclusion, and they don't have any reasons. However, there are people that, uh, that do study these issues and have much more forceful conclusions. Let me read to you the quote from a guy called Sam Harris. He's one of the new atheists in his book, The End of Faith. He said this. He said, the Bible, it seems certain, was the work of sand-strewn men and women who thought the earth was flat and for whom a wheelbarrow would have been a breathtaking example of emerging technology. To rely on such a document as the basis for our worldview, however heroic the efforts of redactors, is to repudiate 2,000 years of civilising insights that the human mind has only just begun to inscribe upon itself through secular politics and scientific culture. Much more uh, stronger claim. Again, a lot of errors in that statement, but... This is the sort of attitude that we find in our culture today. It's a shame because it just illustrates a lack of understanding of what the Bible claims to be and the influence that the Bible has had in history. I mean, today, the Bible is still the most in-demand, the most published and the most translated and the most influential book in the history of the world. Okay, So we need to maybe just stop and think a little bit before we just dismiss it so flippantly in such a lackadaisical way. Now, how do we actually answer this? Because it's very hard, again, to answer in such a short period of time. And often in conversation, we don't have a lot. We can't give a two-hour lecture going through all of the evidences. So the way I like to do it is is to use what I call the MAPS method. So we have this word MAPS in each one of the... Um, so we have M stands for something, A stands for something, and we go down like that. And they just help us. You know, you get lost Someone asks you this question, you might get lost, you need to look at your map. And this is a way of just, it's just a way that I use to remember it. So let me just briefly go through these lines of evidence and we'll take it from there. So M, M is for manuscripts. Okay, this is what we call the bibliographic test. It's one of the ancient tests of historiography. Okay, so this is how you verify the, the historicity of an ancient document. You do this to the Bible and you do this to non-religious texts too. It's to do with counting the number of manuscripts and and the the way that these manuscripts have been, um, the the transmission of the manuscript through history. So you look at the number of manuscripts. The number of Greek New Testament manuscripts that we have, um, obviously the the New Testament was written in Greek originally, is just about 6,000. And we have over 19,000 manuscripts in other languages, Syriac, Aramaic, Latin, a number of different languages. So we have just over 25,000 manuscripts, okay, and some of these dating within only 40 years of the originals. That is unheard of in, for any other document of ancient history. So if you're just looking at it through the basis of how it's been transmitted and the manuscripts, it is the most authenticated document in the world. There's nothing that even comes close 
I think I think it's Ili Homer's Iliad that we have the, the second num most number of manuscripts around the, just over the thousand mark, and then after that it, it drops right down, and the gap between the copies we have is sometimes up to over a thousand years. Okay, so we have the manuscript. So in that sense, the Bible tests very very well. The second one A is for archaeology. To this day, over twenty five thousand sites have been confirmed over the, the biblical world, confirming many specific details from the Bible. In many times, uh, really rendering libraries of skeptical, critical scholarship out of date. The stuff that's being, you know, the stuff being discovered all the time uh, in Jerusalem and across the world. Uh, Dr. Eliat Mazura, who's an archaeologist with the Hebrew University, she has said that she conducts, and this is a quote from when she, she's found a lot of the famous things around Jerusalem, she says this, she conducts her digs with her spade in one hand and a Bible in the other because the Bible is the best historical resource. Okay, You won't find that being said about any other religious book or, or any other fictional book, supposedly, this is unique to the Bible. Okay, um, Scientists have now found that over 53 historical persons of interest from the Bible have been confirmed with archaeology from outside the Bible. That's a huge number of people. Archaeology is a friend of the Bible. The P in maps is for prophecy. And this is a very, very um, interesting area. One that really not only proves that the Bible is unique, but that it has to come from a source that is outside of our time domain. We call this the, the divine inspiration of the Bible, which is what the Bible claims for itself, that scripture is inspired by God. You see, there are just over 31,000 verses in the Bible. Just under 8,500 of those contain what we call predictive prophecy. So that's about 30% of the entire Bible. Okay, The Bible's standard for prophecy is 100% accuracy. It's not like any of these sort of things you see on TV today, or some are right, some are wrong. 100% and these are not vague prophecies there are two main subjects okay for the subject of biblical prophecy one is the nation of Israel and two is the Messiah now let's look I'll just outline with you very briefly what we find with the nation of Israel you see that the Bible would have the audacity to predict an entire nation's history from consummation uh, from conception rather to consummation and give all the details in between is amazing Okay, you get told of, of you know how Israel will go into captivity and that their kingdom's going to be split and that they're going to be um, their their city is going to be destroyed and their temple is going to be destroyed and then they're going to be scattered across the world where they're going to be hated and persecuted across the world and eventually they will be brought back into the land. You can look at history and you can match these things up. The Bible is accurate in this regard, and then you look at the Messiah. Uh, the, the Jesus we call him obviously you go to Old Testament passages like Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 where you have you know just you know 40 50 details per text and uh, that give us information about the Messiah hundreds of years before we came okay and, and these were not late dated or back dated okay we, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls copies of Isaiah and Daniel where a lot of these prophecies come from dating 200 years before Christ Okay, so we know that these things were written down long before Christ came. And these are not things that can be easily manipulated. You know, these are the Messiah, his name, his nature, his family line, the tribe he's going to be from, the town he'll be born in, what he's going to teach, where he's going to live, how he's going to be killed. Just so many different things that, that cannot be kind of self-fulfilled, so to speak. And we find God, you know, in Isaiah 46, God, God gives us this. He says, for I am God and there is no other. 
I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done. So what he's basically saying here is, if you can come up with another explanation as to how I can predict these things and make sure that they come to pass, tell me, I'm all ears. And later on in this passage, he says, I'm telling you this so that you will know I am God and you will turn to me and be saved. So, th so this is a very powerful line of arguments. That's the P for prophecy. And then S is for science. Now, we understand the Bible is not a scientific textbook. It wasn't. That's not its primary purpose. But where it touches on things in the natural world, because it is from God, it will touch on them truthfully. There are a number of things, um, a number of times where the, the statements in the Bible seem to preempt the discoveries of modern science. Um, in the book of Job, you had that. You have the hydrologic cycle mentioned. Um, you have um, ocean springs mentioned and ocean currents. These things that were not discovered until the, really the 18th, 19th century. Um, in the book of Job and in Isaiah, you have the, the shape of the earth makes it mentioned, and it's clearly said to be a, a sphere or a globe. So th this just you know, you think of that quote by Sam Harris where he said the Bible was written by people who think the earth is flat. That's just nonsense. The Bible itself says that's not true. Um, the beginning of space-time, that the universe had a beginning. It's relatively new, Einstein relativity. Um, but the Bible you know, starts off within the beginning. <laughs> um, the circulatory system, the, the fact that the life is in the blood, um, whereas up until really in the 19th century, people were still bloodletting as a way to try and cure certain diseases and things like this. I think George Washington was, was killed by bloodletting. Um, the Bible seems to preempt uh, the existence of germs and bacteria with the washing practices that it, that it indicates for certain diseases, which again, we didn't know anything about germs and bacteria until very, very recently. So th there are some insights here that are worth sharing that seem to seem to be written by people who would definitely not have had knowledge of these things. But yet, because God is also the author of scriptures, they're in there. And I would add one more. So that's the maps, uh, manuscripts, archaeology, prophecy, and science. But I'd also just add one more. It doesn't fit the word properly, but it's, it's the transforming power. You see, all over the world, the gospel is still changing lives. There seems to be a myth today that the gospel is, is like a Western religion. Now, while it may have had a, a kind of superior place in the West through you know, the history, it didn't start in the West. And in today's world, it's actually more. There's, you know, there are more Christians in Asia and China than there are in the West. So it's you know we can't limit it to that. But you study history, you look around the world today. The gospel is still changing lives. Okay, people are being redeemed from sin, from drugs, from abuses. People are having their lives transformed and proclaiming the freedom of the gospel. Just as what it says in the Bible that it will be continually bearing fruit all over the world. As much as people try and stamp out the gospel and the word of God, history has proven that you cannot do that because it is living. The word of God is living and active. So these things are a number of lines of evidence that I would present to people um, who, who make the very flippant and often unresearched un claim that the Bible is just a myth. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please go to thomasfretwell.com.